Hello and welcome aboard this island nation, the Maritime Programme. Tom McSweeney here with the programme about Ireland's maritime culture, history, tradition and development. On this edition, the basking shark and its historic connection to Ireland. Ireland is one of the few places in the world where basking sharks occur regularly and predictably close to shore. The basking shark, growing to 12 metres and weighing up to 4 to 5 tonnes, is the second largest fish in the sea. And does anyone know the answer to this question? Can anyone tell me why some Irish coastal fish have fingerprint type markings on each side of their bodies, while most other fish look normal in this respect? This island nation is Ireland's maritime radio programme, coming to you from Community Radio Yall, CRY 104FM, on the East Cork coastline and the banks of the famous River Blackwater, bringing together the maritime community around Ireland, an island people, a community bonded by the sea around us. You can contact the programme, where your views and comments are most welcome, by email to thisislandnation at gmail.com. That's thisislandnation at gmail.com. Phone or text to 0872 555 197. That's 0872 555 197. And with me, as we set course on this edition, is Justin Marr. And we start with the story of the basking shark. Often talked about and the second largest fish in the sea, with a close historical importance that links it strongly to the Irish coastline. Dr Simon Barrow, Chief Executive of the Irish Whale and Dolphin Group, admits he has a bit of an obsession about the basking sharks of the Irish coast. The basking shark, growing to 12 metres and weighing up to 4 to 5 tonnes, is the second largest fish in the sea. Though it occurs in all oceans, it is very closely linked to Ireland due to its historical importance to coastal communities, especially off Connemara and the well-documented fishery off Ackle Island. Kenneth McNally, in his superb book, The Sunfish Hunt, recounts this history, where Gaelic-speaking inhabitants of the Connacht seaboard refer to them as Leavon Corgrania, the great fish of the sun. The great fish of the sun, which is very different to the ocean sunfish Mola Mola, has been appearing in large numbers off the western seaboard from Cork to County Mayo this April, and especially off County Clare. Those of us who wish to learn more about these magnificent beasts dream about days at sea with oily calm waters lapping the bow as we slowly approach a shark to tag or collect mucus from which we can extract DNA. Fishers off the west coast of Scotland in the middle of the last century called it shark fever, an obsession. Well I have it and many more people caught shark fever this month as they experienced close encounters with baskers for their first time. Basking sharks are clearly here in inshore Irish waters to feed. Spring blooms of zooplankton undergoing a reverse dial migration where they move up towards the surface during the day, especially when the sun shines, brings basking sharks to swim, bask at the surface. Here we see them, three black reference points on a calm day. The large black triangular dorsal fin, pointed caudal fin at 45 degrees to the water's surface, 
and the rounded snout or nose, pushing through the water. This gives the shark its name, the greatest monster nose. Although we know very little about biology of basking sharks, how long they live, maybe 50 years. What age are they when they mature, maybe six to 13 years. How long is their gestation period? Could be two to three years. We do know they only give birth to six live young. This reproductive biology makes them extremely vulnerable to over-exploitation, as experienced by fishers in Ireland, Scotland and Norway, and from a pest eradication program in Canada. As well as feeding at the surface at this time of year, courtship behaviour is also observed. Parallel and circular swimming, lines of sharks nose to tail and breaching. It's very important not to disrupt these natural behaviours as they may have long-term consequences. The Irish Basking Shark Study Group asked those encountering basking sharks at sea to please respect their space and maintain social distancing. While there is no law against swimming with these sharks as they are not protected in Irish waters unlike UK waters including Northern Ireland, we would ask swimmers, boats and kayakers to maintain a minimum distance of four metres. If you position yourself correctly in the water and stay still, they will swim past you very close without realising you were there. Please don't try and touch them. We want to avoid disrupting these important behaviours. If they close their mouth because you are too close, you are impacting negatively on their ability to take on food during this important feeding period in inshore waters. Ideally, you should not enter the water at all, but admire them from the shore. Ireland is one of the few places in the world where basking sharks occur regularly and predictably close to shore. This enables us to study, experience and enjoy the incredible privilege of being close to one of nature's gentle giants. This is Dr Simon Barrow of the Irish Whale and Dolphin Group for This Island Nation. And what a magnificent description of summertime on the water there from Simon Barrow. How I long for it. And maybe to see that greatest monster nose of the basking shark. Back in April, we heard the voice of the late John Baldwin, fish merchant and fisherman from Passage East in County Waterford, describing fishing in times past. His son Tom, who sent us that recording of his father, which drew a lot of attention, has a question, raised from what his father taught him as a youngster when they fished together on the estuary of the river shore. Can anyone tell me why some Irish coastal fish have fingerprint-type markings on each side of their bodies? while most other fish look normal in this respect. The markings I am referring to are small, round, dark, tattoo-like discs, one either side of the body of the fish, approximately at a tipping point, where a person might hold the fish with the first two digits of one hand. When I was age 12 and I had been fishing for salmon one summer with my dad, John Baldwin, we inadvertently caught a scad or shad in the meshes of our nets one particular day. We had been fishing with drift nets in the River Shore estuary adjacent to the Wickford village of Duncannon when my father drew my attention to some strange markings on that small unusual fish which had become entangled in our gear. He then went on to tell me the story of our Lord Jesus Christ standing beside the Sea of Galilee one morning just as Simon Peter and his crew were coming ashore after a long night labouring in their boat when they had not caught any fish. Our Lord told the fishermen to cast their nets out again, but nearer the shore. The fishermen didn't think much of the stranger's suggestion, 
but decided to humor him. The result, while hauling in their nets, was to find their boat quickly filling up with fish, so that they had to call to colleagues in other fishing boats to take the excess catch. Some fishermen believe that our Lord marked different fish caught in the nets that day with his finger and thumb, as he picked each one up for inspection. As my father and I were fishing in my dad's boat in the estuary salmon fishing near our home village of Passage East in County Waterford, Dad told me that there were five fish of various species caught by those biblical fishermen on the Sea of Galilee on that special occasion. Those fish were the Jean Dory, horse mackerel, sea bream, haddock and scad. Dad told me that cousins of one fish, such as herring, pilchard, sprat, etc., which are quite similar to the scad, do not have the markings, nor has the cod, which is similar to the haddock, nor the Atlantic mackerel, a cousin of the horse mackerel, which deepens the mystery of why only those particular sea fish are carrying the strange marks. So can anyone suggest why just five species of fish have fingerprint type markings on each side of their body, while many other fish do not carry such unusual features? And another question also comes to my mind. Why were those seawater fish swimming in a freshwater lake, which is the Sea of Galilee? Was that also a miracle? Or was it some quirk of nature, with the shoals of fish having been swept up by a natural phenomenon such as a water spout from the Mediterranean Sea, and the fish were then dropped into the Sea of Galilee to be caught by the future apostles? Tom Baldwin detailing and explaining those markings on some species of fish. If you know more about the markings, we'd be delighted to hear from you. Maritime birds are, in their own way, as vocal as the dawn chorus, and there are reasons why, such as proving to prospective partners that they are good fathers. That sounds a bit like a chainsaw, but it's actually the sound of puffins, that seabird famed for its massive, colourful beak and somewhat odd clown-like appearance. They're very vocal birds, as you could hear there. Niall Hatch from Birdwatch Island tells us about the ritual of mated pairs of seabirds calling boisterously to each other. This is the time of year when birdsong is at its very best. The dawn chorus has been brightening the mornings of a great many people in recent weeks, and birdsong has been a source of comfort for many during these difficult times. Due to the COVID-19 restrictions and the resulting reduction in traffic and industrial noise, the sounds of the birds have been carrying further than usual, and their songs somehow sound richer and more intense. Birds sing for two key reasons, to proclaim a territory and to attract a mate. In most cases, just the male does the singing, and for him it's a very serious macho business. He's using his voice to threaten rival males, warning them to stay off his patch. The power and volume of his song conveys how fit and strong he is, and therefore whether he is worth challenging or not. The females are impressed by how long a male can spend singing. After all, when he is singing, then he's clearly not frantically trying to find food or hide from the elements. This is a sign that he's in good health, and therefore must have good genes, and also that his territory can easily provide enough food. In other words, she can tell how good a father he would make. The songs and calls of birds living in parks and woodlands get most of the attention at this time of year, but anyone who is familiar with the hustle and bustle of a seabird colony will know that our maritime birds are among the most vocal of all. Few of them produce what could be described as beautiful music, it's true, but there is still a wonderful charm and power in their squawks, squeals and grunts. 
For many seabirds, the ritual of mated pairs calling boisterously to each other is vital for the strengthening of their pair bond. This in turn helps to guarantee that both will cooperate during the nesting season and will do their fair share to care for their eggs and chicks. One of the most classic summer sounds in coastal areas of Ireland, especially those with high cliffs, is the three-note cry of the kittiwake, a raucous for which this species is named. A small and gentle-looking member of the gull family is more closely tied to the marine environment than most other gulls, rarely being found far from the sea. If ever a gull truly deserved the name seagull, it's the kittiwake. This is also the time of year when puffins return to their nesting burrows around the Irish coast, having spent the past eight months or so bobbing around in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. Famed for their massive colourful beaks and their odd clown-like appearance, they are also very vocal birds. The sounds they make at their breeding colonies are very weird to our ears, however. A deep, resonant sound, like a hesitant cow. Another Irish seabird, beginning its nesting season at the moment, deserves a mention when it comes to vocal prowess. The common eider, a large sea duck, which is the origin of eiderdown, the most highly prized and expensive natural insulating material in the world, makes a remarkable sound. When competing for female attention, the males bob their heads and utter a strange, resonant sound, which for all the world sounds exactly, and I mean exactly, like the late English actor and comedian Frankie Howard. Perhaps my favourite thing of all to do in the summer, however, is to stand near a seabird colony and immerse myself in all the different sounds that the birds produce. It's a very different type of dawn chorus, to be sure, but there is something so wild and ancient about it, and it makes me feel a real connection to nature. It's the sound of the Irish coast, and we should make much more of it than we do. The COVID-19 outbreak has made life very difficult for Irish charities, including Birdwatch Ireland. Many of our usual funding opportunities have been lost, we were determined that our vital work to conserve Ireland's seabirds and other wild birds will continue. Please, if you're not a Birdwatch Ireland member, join us today at www.birdwatchireland.ie. If you happen to be a member already, please convince your friends and family to join us too. Ireland's birds need your support. Thank you. Niall Hatch from Birdwatch Ireland with a great description of marine bird life and their sounds and the purpose of them. And if you can, do give Birdwatch your support. Now, Justin, there are problems developing which could affect shipping supply lines because ships' crews can't be changed. You've been watching the latest developments on home and overseas waters. Yes, Tom. The United Nations Maritime Agency, the International Maritime Organization, has warned that shipping supply lines could be affected because ships' crews can't be changed due to COVID-19 travel restrictions in many countries. It says that 150,000 seafarers need to be relieved because of having been at sea for extended periods, but their replacements can't board vessels in many ports. The agency has called on governments to declare seafarers part of essential services so that crew changeovers can take place. At home, a temporary voluntary tie-up scheme for Irish fishing boats has been announced by the Minister for the Marine to cover 66% of the fleet so that some boats will continue fishing to supply the market during the COVID-19 epidemic. It won't be operational until the 1st of June and can be used for just two months of the next three by any boat. So far, it has not met with total acceptance from the industry. We reported in our last edition the huge number of very large crude carrier tankers being used around the world to store oil because of the glut of supplies. 
Those still carrying oil from the Middle East are making their journeys deliberately longer by going around the Cape of Good Hope instead of using the Suez Canal, while a destination is sought for their cargoes. That's causing a loss predicted at $10 million to the Suez Canal Authority. And while there's a glut of oil worldwide, there seems to be a huge demand for sugar, which is causing queues of ships at ports in Brazil, the world's top sugar producer. At Santos, Brazil's biggest port, there were 35 ships waiting in the past week to load 2.6 million tonnes of sugar for the world's markets. In case you didn't know, one gigaton of ice is enough to fill 400,000 Olympic-sized swimming pools. A gigaton of ice is a measurement used by researchers to indicate the size of what is being lost from the ice sheet covering Antarctica every year. And it's losing an average of 118 gigatons a year, while Greenland's ice sheet lost an average of 200 gigatons last year. Finally, and proving again that there's always something unusual to be found in the sea, towering spires and 500 hydrothermal chimneys which are belching superheated liquid warmed by magma deep inside the earth have been found by the monterey bay aquarium research institute on a nine mile stretch of the usa pacific coast northwest of washington state in what is known as the endeavor segment they cover an area about nine miles that's 14 kilometers long and one mile around two kilometers wide just goes to show that there's a lot still undiscovered down there in the dark ocean depths. You mentioned the fishing industry there, Justin, and there's increasing concern about the big landings of fish caught by non-Irish vessels being landed into Castletown Bear, as we revealed in our last programme. Over the past weekend, 13 lorries arrived in the West Cork port to take catches from French and Spanish boats landing there, still fishing off Ireland, back to Spain and France. Local fishermen complained there was no inspection of the catches, though Irish boats are always checked, they say, when they land. There was also an attempt reported by fishermen in France to boycott the selling, in French supermarkets and other retail outlets, of any fish caught by other nations going into French supermarkets and retail outlets. John Nolan, managing director of Castletown Bear Fishermen's Co-op, pointed out that French fishermen want access to Irish waters and claim them as European waters when it suits them. But they don't want to regard their domestic market as being a European market when it comes to selling fish. There was opportunities in the French market when the French boats weren't fishing. But no, the French are saying they're back fishing and their fishermen are actually going around with television crews going into factories and saying, look, these people are importing fish, they're not supporting the French fishing industry. Even their government, people like Leclerc supermarkets have said that only buy French fish. And they're like, people are afraid actually in France to actually take fish off of us. Now it does get a bit annoying like that when you see the way the French are acting. Like in our waters, like we get 5% of the month quarter and the French get 50% of the month quarter. And yet, when something like this happens, you get this parochialism coming in and the French fishermen going around like they were quite happy to accept them as European waters, but they don't want them as European markets at all. Like, and I'm a bit disappointed that way. There has to be some sort of a 
I say fund set up with the EMF funding to get fishermen money direct to compensate for the huge losses that they're fishing. That's not to say we don't appreciate what the government has done by way of employment levies and for crewmen and self-employed and everything like that with the 355 COVID allowance. But for boat owners and for fishing organisations, it really is a nightmare situation. John Nolan, Managing Director of Castletown Bear Fishermen's Co-op. Scottish fishing organisations also protested against the actions of French fishermen and lodged complaints with the European Commission. Ireland South MEP Billy Kelleher said he would be acting on the complaints from Castletown Bear. Now, a little bit of hope on the maritime scene, and it comes through open water swimming. As John Leach, Chief Executive of Water Safety Ireland, tells us. This new, evolving and ever-changing environment that we all are living through reminds me in musical terms of Dvorak's New World Symphony. However, this was not the new world that motivated him to compose it. Tens of thousands of members of the public have been deprived of their daily swim either in a swimming pool or in open water since March 13th. From the 18th of May, we can all swim in open water within five kilometres of our residence and hopefully all things going according to the government's roadmap for reopening society and business. On the 29th of June, the travel restriction will be lifted to 20 kilometres and on the 20th of July, people can travel outside of their own region So this will allow tens of thousands of people to enjoy a swim in a river, lake or on our coastline. We feel that the risk of drowning this year is possibly at its greatest in decades. Our population is at its largest since the famine and this year it looks as though the majority of our population will holiday at home. That means more people using our beaches than ever before. In 2013 we had a hot spell in July when 13 people drowned in 14 days. And in that summer, the lifeguards rescued 895 people. So if we do get a good summer, then our lifeguards will be well challenged to keep beachgoers safe this year. The lifeguard service commences on the 30th of May and ends on the weekend of the 13th of September. The local authorities and our members are now arranging the recruitment and testing of them. We recommend that you log on to watersafety.ie and look for the advice on open water swimming. And from the 30th of May, you can see where all the lifeguarded bathing areas are nearest to you. For those of you who will not be able to swim at a lifeguarded bathing area, then you should always ensure that there is a yellow box with a ring boy in it nearby. Ensure there is a safe access and egress from the water. Swimmers should swim parallel close to the shore and be aware that water temperature on the coast is approximately 11 degrees Celsius and an inland waterway is slightly warmer at about 13 degrees. So it is still quite cold for extended swims. Wear a wetsuit if you have one and swim within your depth and stay within your depth. Then if you do get into difficulty you can simply stand up and wade back ashore. For the angler's annual pilgrimage to our lakes to catch brown trout, we ask you to wear your life jacket at all times and hopefully you will have tight lines. Remember, in an emergency, call 112 and ask for the Coast Guard and always call early so that they can deploy a lifeboat or helicopter in time to save the person in distress. Until next month, stay safe in the water and ashore. John Leach reporting from Water Safety Ireland headquartered in Galway and perhaps just a chink of hope 
in the difficult times of the present. And so we end this edition of the Maritime Programme This Island Nation, produced at CRY 104FM in Yall on the East Cork coastline. The programme is broadcast on community radio stations around Ireland. In Dublin on Near FM, Dublin City FM, Liffey Sound and Dublin South, on Dundalk FM, Athlone Community Radio, in Galway on Connemara Community Radio and Kindvara FM, Radio Corkoposhkeen in Clare, Kilkenny City Radio, West Limerick 102 FM, in Mayo on Community Radio Castle Bar and Eris FM Belmullis, Cork City Radio, West Cork FM and Community Radio Bear Island, on Apple Podcasts and podcasts on Mixcloud, Soundcloud, Spotify and the themarinetimes.ie. Wherever you've been listening, thank you for being part of the Maritime Community on Community Radio. The programme email address is thisislandnation at gmail.com. That's thisislandnation at gmail.com. Until our next programme, from Justin Marr and from me, Tom McSweeney, the usual wish of fair sailing. <laughs>